The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got to look to the draft. We've got to look to developing the guys that are currently here and obviously retain as many of these guys as we can. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. All right, welcome into the Huddle Up podcast for Wednesday, March 22nd. This is John Osier, along with NFL Network and Jaguars media network analyst Bucky Brooks. You can give us a listen on the podcast page at jaguars.com or on the official Jaguars podcast network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bucky, it's you and me, buddy. No J.P. Shadrick today. Yeah, no J.P., so what we're doing is we're going to try a new tandem is uh, J.O. and B.B. seeing if we can hold it down without J.P. And we'll see what this looks like. We'll see, we'll see how this sounds. We'll see how we kind of handle it without the point guard available because it may change the way we go about running the offense. I like the, uh, I like the March Madness reference with the point guard. Dish. Now, who, who you got the rest of the way, Buck? Who's winning the tournament? Well, you know what, John? I'm, I'm going to tell you. And, look, I'm going to apologize to the listeners in advance. I'm on my phone because I'm sitting here in – NFL Media Studios getting ready to do Ohio State's Pro Day. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, it's, look, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic time for me as a Tar Heel fan. All of my hopes, wishes, and desires were fulfilled last weekend. I saw the Mighty Duke Blue Devils go down. I actually saw NC State, the Wolfpack, go down. Uh, almost all of the teams, are, the ACC, are out of it. So now I can just watch in peace and enjoy the rest of the tournament because none of my nemesis are going to win the title. See, I remember this from my day. I still follow Carolina, but back when I was in college, I was I was a huge Carolina fan. Went to school up there for a year. Not there, but another school. And I do remember the bitterness and the pettiness of Tar Heel fans it was always strong. And I see you've still got that. Like, they're out of it, but it it's almost good. It's almost as good for you when Duke loses, isn't it? Not all the time. But just this particular time, because what I didn't want to happen was, you know, they, they kind of paid us back for last year when we beat them Coach K senior night. Right. We also sent them out in the Final Four. So the thing that couldn't happen was for them to win the ACC tournament and then go back and win the national title while Carolina's sitting out, we could not have that. So I only rooted against them this year. Normally it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. But this year I certainly wanted them to go home. And anytime NC State goes home, it is always a wonderful day for me. Okay, I got you. So you hate NC State more than Duke? Oh no, I, I hate them all to be honest. <laughs> but NC State uh, is in my hometown, right? Raleigh. It's, from, so it's your hometown, right? That, yeah, it's my hometown. I grew up. Everyone wanted to go there. A lot of my high school buddies went there, and so I never really dug it. Um, and so they've been kind of a rival uh, sure. for me personally. It's also a rival for Carolina, and in Duke. The robbery is intense, right. primarily because of the basketball thing. So all of those schools are in the triangle, so within 30 miles apart. So, yeah, you don't want any of those schools to do well <laughs> uh, because then you've got to hear about it all the time. All right, time to turn, obviously, to uh, Jaguars free agency. And I guess that's why we're talking NCAA tournaments so much. There, There is uh, scarce little news in Jaguars free agency. I get why they're doing that. I like that approach, Bucky. I know you're an NFL guy, so you understand it. Just to recap, uh, some news earlier this week. Jaguars did re-sign cornerback Trey Herndon. They did re-sign defensive tackle Adam Gotsis. 
Uh, this follows uh, re-signing Andrew Wingard last week and uh, C.J. Beathard, Evan Ingram's tagged. Jermichael Hasty has re-signed. So they brought guys back, but they lost Juwan Taylor to the Chiefs, lost Chris Manhurts to the Broncos, and most notably since we talked, Bucky, lost Arden Key to the Titans. Um, you know, everybody's freaking out over this. Every Ozone email I get now, I think it was okay when they didn't sign Juwan. They understood Manhurts. And the Arden Key thing got to people, Bucky, and people are panicking, saying, mm-hmm. what are they doing? Uh, reason for concern, expected, what's your take on this? I will say this. Uh, Arden Key was, like just being on the sideline, he was a great leader on the field. He did a really good job of, like, helping the young guys, pulling them together. He brought energy to the team. He certainly had the making or the appearance of being a glue guy. Now, a lot of people would look at the box score and say, hey, well, he didn't really impact the team because he only had, what, four and a half sacks. It's not like he's a double-digit sack guy. Right. But there is value to having what I call those, those core guys, those guys who kind of understand when to step up and say certain things, when it needs to be said. Guys who also have the capacity to make plays when a play is there to be made. And even though he may not kind of be like the, the old school Tony Brackers or Kevin Hardy or big-time player like Calais Campbell, he certainly was a very important piece of the puzzle last year. And so that will need to be replaced. I'm not saying that the Jaguars can't move on because Arden Key is no longer a part of it, but it will take someone, uh, a veteran, to kind of step up and fill some of the void that will be created by his departure. Here's my thought on this, Buck, when you talk about that. And I agree with you about Arden. I think he wanted to stay uh, from some of his comments this week. I think he was a little hurt that it didn't work out that he stayed. But I also get it from the Jaguars' perspective. They've got contracts coming up, and they've got to get back to being drafted and developed. They have to get everything in order, if you follow me. Um, But as a GM, you know, here's the thing about Arden. A week into free agency last year, they hadn't signed Arden Key yet. He was a second-tier guy, one-year contract. They went out and filled a gap in free agency with a savvy off-season move. Um, you know, that's sort of what you have to do every year now, right? Don't they just have to sort of do that again at that spot, either through the draft or maybe even third-tier free agency? You know, I guess on paper, I think you should be able to go out and get the three or four sacks that they lost with him. Although, I also get your point. I don't know that you replace what he brought on the sidelines, but I just mean in terms of as you move forward, when you lose a guy like that, it's sort of the role of the GM to figure out how to replace it just like they did last year when they got him. Yeah, I mean, it is on the GM. It's on Trent Balky. It's on Doug Peterson uh, to kind of identify and find those guys that can fill those, those roles. I will say that the one thing about leadership is you never know who's actually going to be your leader. Right. As much as we like to think leaders are the best players, a lot of times they're not. They're the guys that do the dirty work that no one else wants to do, but they're willing to do it because it helps the team. And so I understand why Arden was hurt because being on the sideline, watching him in the locker room, like, man, I really felt like he was a guy that was really a Jaguar. It didn't work out. They couldn't agree to terms. And so now you have to turn the page. And so – the bitterness that he feels, look, there are plenty of players that I have there. There are plenty of guys that want to continue to be on the team that are no longer there. And so you kind of have to get over that. But I will say from the Jaguars' perspective, it's going to be really important to find a guy that can do what he does. 
not only in the locker room in terms of the leadership and setting the example, but also in terms of being able to be that versatile player that can play inside and outside and give you the kind of production against the run and the pass that he was able to provide. And you know what, Buck? I mean, again, I got to know Arden a little bit. He was on an Ozone podcast late, and I, I really like the guy. But it'll also be, I mean, it, it's okay for him to be sort of a chip on the shoulder that he left. It's okay for that to add a little spice to the rivalry. It, isn't this supposed to be kind of fun on that front sometimes, Bucky? Well, absolutely. I mean, like, that's, that's just a part of the deal. It, it should be a little contentious. There is always going to be some back and forth when one player leaves to go to the division rival and you have an opportunity to see them a couple times a year. Uh, the fact that, look, there's already history between the Jaguars and Tennessee Titans. The fact that um, we knocked them off to go into the postseason while they had to go home. Now you have the added layer where Arden Key will make it a very personal deal, but everyone who plays their former team makes it personal. It, it'll be a situation that will get a lot of conversation maybe leading up to the sure. game. But once it's kicked off, it, 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 it shouldn't have that big of an impact. Something you said uh, just sort of struck me, and, you know, Maybe I'm just dim and I missed it, but uh, for years we talked about here about the Titans being a rival of the Jaguars. But the reality is they hadn't beaten them in five years. It really wasn't much of a rivalry. What's a rivalry now? Mm-hmm. With, the, you know, with this happening, with the game at the end of last season, um, you can make the argument this is you know, at, as good as this rivalry's been uh, maybe in 20 years. I mean, uh, with apologies to 2017, uh, the Titans beat the Jags twice that year. Uh, you know, so maybe that year counts. But I would say the games next year are going to be as emotional in this rivalry as, as they've been, you know, maybe 2018, 2017. But this is going to go back to the 90s now. Oh, it should absolutely be pretty spicy. And, I mean, that's what you want. And if you're the Jaguars, like, that's kind of part of, the, the process. Part of the process when you become a really good team and a team that is a perennial playoff contender is you go from being the feel-good story to the team that everyone loves you to suddenly you become the team that people hate you. And so we're not quite there yet, but as you begin to win and as you begin to have success, people, as much as Americans love successful entities, they also hate them. And so it's going to be <laughs> some of that bitterness. And I think everybody in Jacksonville has to be okay with that. Like, that's a part of the deal. When you're a good team, everybody's not going to love you and take kindly to you. We'll probably look back on the stiff arm by Trevor up in Nashville as, as the moment when this rivalry really started up again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that, that certainly will have a lot to do with that part of it. When you think about just what um, the Jags were able to do, going to the playoffs, doing all that other yeah. stuff, knocking them off, uh, the way that we knocked them off, oh, yeah, that's the fun part. So, yeah, I mean, my, my guy will be a little bitter. He'll be upset, but it's fine. Arden Key was a good player. He made great contributions, but we'll figure it out. Here's my thing, and uh, we'll go to break in a minute. I, as much as I like Arden, I just feel like you're supposed to be able to replace a player on the level of Arden Key. I, I, I He's a very good mm-hmm. player, very valuable player, but that's sort of the – the art and the story of each team each year, somebody new has to come along and replace that leadership that he gave, replace those sacks. 
good teams are able to replace that when they lose that each offseason. It, it's a storyline, but to me, Bucky, I don't think it should be one that they shouldn't be able to overcome. So, Yeah, look, it, it's a storyline, but you're absolutely right. Uh, should be able to overcome it. Shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, should be one where you can find a way to uh, get it done without him. But it does put the onus on somebody, yeah. an older player, to take on some of the leadership uh, responsibilities. All right, I got a, I got something special coming for you, uh, Bucky. I have a read. I was going to do a read oh. now. It's, uh, okay. It's radio term. So uh, here we go. The 2023 season is on the horizon, and you won't want to miss it. Lock in your seats at the bank this fall by placing your deposit at jaguars.com backslash tickets. Seat selection is coming soon, and the perfect spot is waiting for you. Don't watch the Jags become kings of the jungle from your couch. Join the Jaguars now. More after this. All right, welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, Bucky, what do you think? How's that read? I mean, that was, I mean, that was great. That was one of the best reads uh, that we've had. I mean, I think, I think you should probably uh, do more of that stuff. I think, I think you've done a really good job of uh, putting that together, so maybe you and JP can alternate some of the reads. Yeah, we're not going to do that, but I am going to do more of that stuff right now with the second read of the broadcast. Uh, here we go, Bucky. Uh, pin your ears back for this one. Daly's Place kicks off another unforgettable season this April 14th with country music superstar Kenny Chesney. Music lives here, and we've got something for everyone with Old Dominion, Tedeschi Trucks Band, Yellow Card, Wu-Tang Clan, and Nas, and much, much more. For a full list of shows and to get tickets, visit dailysplace.com. And that's your second read, Buck. Man, look at you. Look at you, like, doing it like a pro. I mean, it's, it's uh, Shatter's got some competition. That's all I got to say. I mean, <laughs> he absolutely, he, he, he absolutely has some comps. JP Pip. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. On a serious note, has your opinion of this team changed at all based on what they did or didn't do in free agency? And... I know it was quiet, but did did you expect more? Are your thoughts different now than maybe they were two weeks ago? No, I mean, I think uh, when you're a good team, free agency is a spot where you go and uh, you you accentuate what you already have in the fold. When you go back and you look at the way the Jaguars are constructed, uh, you cannot talk about free agency in the offseason without talking about Calvin Ridley coming on board with a midseason trade. Didn't see the fruits of that trade right away, but we'll have an opportunity to see it this year. You talk about a premier wide receiver, a guy who is a true number one receiver. He is an upgrade. You now take him and add it to Evan Ingram coming back on the franchise tag. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones are already in the building. You have Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne already in the fold. Like This offense is ready to go. I know you, everyone is upset about losing Jawan Taylor, and Jawan Taylor was a great player. He really played well this season, but if you've done this thing the right way and you draft and develop, well, this is time for Walker Little to slide into that spot. You know, took him two years ago as a second-round pick. He's had opportunity to start and to play in a spot role. Well, now it's a chance for him to step up and fill that void. And so if he's done what he's supposed to do and the team is doing what they're supposed to do in terms of building it the right way, we shouldn't feel any of those things. And then when it comes to the defense, you need the draft picks. Devin Lloyd, Trayvon uh, Walker, you think about Chad Muma. Those guys have to step up. They were drafted early because they were expected to be foundational pieces. Well, now they have to play at a high level. And so if they develop like we think they will, then 
there was no need for the Jaguars to be very, very active in free agency because they can answer all of their questions by finding players on their roster to be able to take care of those things. Something you said earlier brings me to a question I was going to ask you. Um, You're talking about Ridley a little bit in the offense. Um, The offseason program begins in about about four weeks, say four weeks. Uh, What's going on now specifically with coaching to prepare for that? And what I'm getting at is, are they sitting there looking at Calvin Ridley's skill set, designing things specifically for him? Are they taking things out of the offense based on what didn't work last year, play into Christian Kirk's strengths? Um, what are the details of that? How's it really looking in terms of what they're doing? Well, the good thing about where you're at in the offseason is this, you have an opportunity uh, to really paint a blank canvas, meaning you take what you did last year, you take the things that you really like, the things that Trevor did well, the things that some of the other players did really, really well. And you say, okay, well, we know we like that because the players ex- excelled at that. What are some of the other things that we can take to build upon what is already a solid foundation? What are the plays that Trevor likes? Talk to Trevor, have conversations with him. Study the Atlanta tape and see some of the things that Calvin Ridley did well. Okay, how can we take what he did well in Atlanta and naturally uh, or seamlessly transition it into what we do here? And so the off season is a great experimental phase. When you get on the field, when you're going through OTAs and uh, mini camps, some of the stuff that we see the, the, the team do, some of the plays and concepts, those are just to get on tape. So then you can do a further evaluation to see, hey, do we think we really want to carry this in the regular season? And so there's a lot of that conversation back and forth on what do we like, what do we want to try, how can we expand what we did last year, how can we stay one step ahead of the policy when it comes to what we're doing offensively and defensively, uh, and can we do all of those things without bogging down the players by giving them too much information? If you're a fan sitting in the stands or watching TV, uh, what will – Ridley bring that's going to make this look different? Well, the one thing I think everyone will probably try and temper expectations, right? Uh, the coaches will not try and put him out there and say, hey, he's going to be our number one receiver. Sure. Uh, we expect him uh, to kind of carry the offense and do those things. Uh, but I will say, if Calvin Ridley is anywhere close to the last time we saw him on the field, Calvin Ridley becomes the natural number one receiver in the offense. Calvin Ridley will be the guy that commands a double team. Calvin Ridley will then kind of allow the Jaguars to reestablish the pecking order of the passing game, meaning Calvin Ridley is the number one, Christian Kirk goes to wide receiver two, Evan Ingram is the flex tight end, but he can sometimes be the secondary to Calvin Ridley depending on how the defense plays. And then Zay Jones just kind of gets in where he fits in, and he makes key plays because the defense is worried about the other people. And so you now have not only an established pecking order, but you have interchangeable pieces where on one series you can say Calvin you go to flanker Christian you go to X next series Christian you go to the slot Calvin you go to X Zay Jones you play the Z and so for the defense it changes how they have to think about attacking but Doug Peterson always has multiple answers to really address whatever the tactic is when you think about this this offense can be balanced it can be diverse it, it can be explosive because now you have an upgrade at the number one receiver spot. And so I would expect it to really take off. But I would say look for that explosion 
to happen around the middle of the year after Calvin gets comfortable and settled and used to playing again. Because once he gets settled and comfortable, then I think you'll see that Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl caliber Calvin show up, and that will make a world of difference when you think about this offense in the passing game. And I think the the encouraging thing about that, Bucky, to me is, uh, you know, I think if Ridley was coming in and there were a lot of unknowns around him, there would be pressure to force him to get to that level you're talking about quickly. But the fact that you've got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, uh, realistically, even if Ridley wasn't coming in, you would look at this offense and think it's probably a top 10 offense. So he doesn't need to be you know, the guy, the wide receiver one in the first game. Because if he wasn't, even if he wasn't playing in that game, you would still have the strengths that got you to where you were last year. So it, it can happen organically, I think is what you're saying. It can happen organically, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not being disrespectful at all. But at his worst, if Kevin really comes in and gives you what Marvin Jones gave you, that's great. That offense rolled. That offense was a top-ten offense. However, if Kevin Ridley is close to form, he's a better player than Marvin Jones was. And so now you get a more dynamic playmaker on the perimeter. Man, you talk about an offense that can go from good to great in a hurry. With Trevor Lawrence, remember, being in his second year under Doug Peterson, you would expect there to be significant growth in multiple areas. Quarterback is more comfortable, but now you have an upgraded cast around him. Yeah, I think you should be cautiously optimistic, but this offense should be lights out. This offense should be a top five offense if everything trend like it's trending. I may be making too much of this, and I think we've talked about it before, maybe off the air, Bucky, but to put together a, a receiving core, Ingram, Jones, Kirk, and what you think Ridley's going to be, to do that in a basically a 12-month period and do it all through free agency, uh, you study how teams build more than I do around the league. I, I study the Jaguars, but you study everybody. It's pretty unusual to do it that way that quickly, is it not? It is unusual, but it's not uncommon when it comes to uh, building around a young quarterback. Okay. Uh, when you think about the way uh, – let's look at Buffalo. Josh Allen's game exploded when they brought in Stephon Diggs. Uh, you look at the way that Justin Herbert performs. He's surrounded by Mike Williams, and he also has Keenan Allen veteran receivers. The reasons why you want to surround Trevor Lawrence with veteran established receivers is because there's a level of dependability gotcha. and reliability that you get from those guys. That increases the level of trust that Trevor Lawrence will have. And so now when he hits the top of his drop, he's willing to let it go because he trusts that the veteran pass catchers are going to be there. Now, it will eventually flip because as Trevor Lawrence gets closer to signing his big deal, then you have to reset and recalibrate how that offense looks. That might mean some younger receivers that he can groom and develop because they're cheaper and the money is going to him. But right now, when he's playing on his rookie deal, you can commit big money to the pass catchers on the perimeter because that is going to guarantee that the quarterback plays at his best. And let's be honest, it's a quarterback-driven league. When your quarterback plays at a high level, you have an opportunity to get into the tournament and make a run. This approach offensively, um, is this going to be a win-shootout-type team next year? I mean, it, it, you know, they averaged 24 points a game last year. 
And you, even without Ridley, I had to think the second year jump gets him a couple more points in that. Um, you know, is this just going to be a team? We've talked about it throughout last season, Bucky, how you're going to build. Is it getting to the point where it's just going to be, you know, let's go win a basketball game every week? I don't think it necessarily has to be less, less win a basketball game. But let's be honest, because we've seen this happen a few different times. You personally watched it happen during your time previously with the Indianapolis Colts. Let's say it's this. If you're saying we averaged 24 points last year, and let's just say they make a four- or five-point jump where they go to 28 to 29 points, okay? And you're putting the pressure on the offense because, remember, Doug Peterson comes from the offense side of the ball. The offense is his baby. He is going to hold those guys to a higher standard maybe than the other parts of the team. And so those guys have to show up every week, and you have to tell them, hey, man, we need 28 or more points each week. So from a defensive standpoint, maybe it changes the way that you call the game on defense. It becomes about the pass rush and the coverage. Don't give up the big plays. Find a way to get off the field in the fourth quarter, and we'll win a bunch of games with the scores maybe a little higher than some defensive coaches are comfortable. But if you can hold the team to 20 points or less on defense while knowing that the offense is going to get you 28 or more, you're going to win a bunch of games. And so I think it becomes – not necessarily a, a let's suffocate him and stifle him on defense, more of a let's bend but don't break, let's turn the ball over, give our offense extra opportunities. But offensively, we want to operate at a high efficient rate so that we put points on the board, particularly any time we reach the red zone. And I guess you uh, saw some signs of that last year uh, with the turnovers forced by the Jaguars jumping from nine to I think it was 29 or I mean it, it was it was a huge jump I forget what their final number was but they were third or fourth in the league in takeaways and it sounds like what you're saying that's going to be sort of have to be the way they play is, is by it, I like to use the term break and serve on defense well look that, that's a, that's a great way to say it. if you think about because you use the tennis analogy yes whenever you're serving in tennis you always should win the game you should win the point you should win the game and so what you're hoping is that you can break the serve a couple of times and that will be enough for you to be able to win the match. Well, for the Jaguars, now that you're all in on offense, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, now the pressure is on them. I would expect when we go out to training camp practices, Doug Peterson might be a little more ornery on the offense because he knows that he needs to get them to operate at a high level because if they operate at a high level, now from a defensive standpoint, one, it eliminates the running game because the opponent – has to chase point. It means the ball has to fly in the air. And so from a defensive standpoint, it then becomes about the pass rush and the coverage. Can you find a way to hit the quarterback in those obvious passing situations? And then in the back end, can you pick off passes on tips and overthrows due to the rush forcing the quarterback to get rid of the ball under duress? Yeah, to me, the pass rush becomes this team's biggest uh, biggest storyline going into the next season. And I don't think we'll know answers until then, but that'll be the storyline to me. Tell me about your day, Bucky. I know you're covering the Ohio State Pro Day. How many pro days are you doing in this capacity for NFL Network, and uh, what are your thoughts on today? Okay, so it's a big week. It's a big week, John, because it's all about the quarterbacks. I've known you well enough to know that you love the quarterback, and so America loves the quarterback. So we have three pro days going this week. We have C.J. Stroud uh, coming today. We have Bryce Young on Thursday, and then we have Will Levis, on Friday. And so what we're doing at uh, NFL Network, we're actually doing it on NFL Plus. So that's the app. You can download it, put it on your thing. That will give you access to our Pro Day special. 
You can see everything that goes on at each of those three pro days. And then next week, we're going to talk about the super athlete that everyone is fascinated about, Anthony Richardson. We have his pro day on the 30th. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. Final thing. Uh, I don't know if you've done a mock draft in the last three days, but if you were to do a mock draft, who are you going to the Jaguars right now? What's your gut? Mm-mm-mm. Unfair so question, but that, I like this. No, no, no. The Jaguars can go a few different ways. Like my original thought was, hey, they can get another tight end to compliment uh, Evan Ingram and really go all in on offense and just say, you know what we're going to do? We're really going to load it up and have a video game-like offense. So a guy like Dalton Kincaid would certainly work. Uh, Michael Meyer from Notre Dame would certainly work. So that is a thought. Another thought would be, okay, I just talked about how we're going to force opponents to chase points and make them put it in the air. Well, we need a few more cornerbacks to be able to talk about it. So uh, you have guys like Deontay Banks from Maryland. Uh, You have a couple other cornerbacks that certainly could be and play Joy Porter Jr. and others. And so cornerback, tight end, somewhere there. Last place, you could always look at offensive tackle, but it might be a little thin at offensive tackle when we get to that point in the draft. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating, Bucky. To me, losing Taylor, I'm not worried about the starters, but you do wonder about that swing tackle. You wonder about cornerback because you've made the point, maybe two corners needed, and then a tight end feels like a spot that's going to be ripe at 24 for a good player. Uh, to me, those are the storylines for the Jags and as we approach the draft. We'll, uh, and that's my way of segueing to we'll certainly talk about that more on future Huddle Ups. Bucky, have a great day today. appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon on the Bucky Brooks Show. <laughs> I like that, Jay. Maybe, maybe one day I'll be privileged enough to go into Ozone and talk about it. Well, that, I will look forward to that. Bucky, thanks, buddy. All right, man. Appreciate it.